بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد as we're discussing that for a person to ensure that his income is halal and the method employed to earn a livelihood is halal according to sharia and even the food that he partakes of is also halal, wholesome and sharia compliant then we mention a few incidents of the pious of before the level of taqwa in regards to earning a livelihood and partaking of food that Dhunun Misi Rahmatullah Ali when that prison warden had served the food for him the food was halal but because that prison warden was enforcing a haram law so he wouldn't partake of that food he would say that plate is tainted also with your oppression so he wouldn't eat that food Bishar Hafi Rahmatullah Ali those canals and those dams that were constructed by oppressive rulers because behind them was oppression the income was incorrect was haram so he wouldn't drink water from those type of dams and canals also but that is their level of their taqwa so thereafter the author mentioned in this kitab that that is one level of taqwa but when it comes to the common muslim like myself and the rest of us we should take the middle route. We should not become so rigid now that every person's wealth, we have a doubt about it. And now I want to go into the details. Where is earning his livelihood from? And how is he earning it? And how is every deal of his? That I can't eat in that person's house. I can't eat in that person's house. And we shouldn't go to the other extreme also that everything halal. We didn't see any sign anywhere that it's halal friendly so we become friends with that person also. That everything is halal also. Don't, and we tell everyone, don't have doubt. There is a little sign over there, you can see he's a Muslim brother. So you can eat over there. Don't have doubt about every person. But we take the middle route, we should be careful. So in the following chapter, the author explains also, that remember halal is clear and haram is clear. In between there are two such, the two are such things that are, there is a doubtful area in between them. So you are only liable for acquiring wealth that is halal according to the sharia. If you are unaware of any outward cause of it being impure or haram, then regard it as halal. And make use of it. So don't have unnecessary doubt. When it comes to even taharat also, when it comes to our taharat, our purity, sometimes you go to the bathroom within our homes and you find some water there on the floor. And possibly we were changing in the bathroom that water came onto the lower garment, onto our pants. Now we have doubts. I don't know whether the water is pure or impure. According to Sharia, the water is regarded to be pure until proven impure. We don't entertain unnecessary doubts about anything. Sharia doesn't entertain doubts. Once a person entertains any amount of doubt in his mind, that is when now shaitan gaps in and he finds a way now to create more doubts in your mind. Then you'll have a doubt, doubt about everything. About your taharat, about your wuzu, about your istinja, whether my wuzu is correct, whether that person's income is halal. And then a person's ibadat becomes spoiled. Then in, instead of focusing now upon his creator, upon his own self, upon his own reformation, then his heart goes into other people. 
I hope that person is okay. I hope now that he is earning a, a halal livelihood. Then he is worried about his taharat all the time, then we find that person missing salah with jamaat also. He is making wuzu upon wudu. Instead of washing three times, washing five times. Then he is going to the toilet many times over. So shaitan now finds a gap in between to create doubts. The sharia cuts out the doubt completely. Don't have unnecessary doubts in your heart, in your mind. So regard it to be halal, regard it to be pure. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa once made wuzu with water from the leather bag of a mushrik, of a polytheist. And as Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu used water from the pitcher and the jug of a Christian woman. Had they been thirsty, they would have drunk from it. From here we learn that to have unnecessary doubts regarding whether something is pure or impure, permissible or impermissible, in the absence of a clear outward factor or reason, making it impure or haram, is not a virtue. Regard it as pure and permissible. Similarly, whatever you find in the hand of a person whose condition is unknown to you, you don't know his condition, but he has something in his hand, regard it as pure and retain good thoughts about your Muslim brother. Don't think it's haram now. But yes, we should check the ingredients. In the zamana also now, we just can't consume everything. We want to check the ingredients. And we say, istafti qalbak, then ask your heart. Is your heart satisfied? There's some doubt in your heart, then leave it out. But they to take advice from ulama ikram. In short, there are six groups of people in regards to halal and haram. And the law regarding each one is different. The first group of people, those people whose condition of piety and impiety, as well as the manner of earning their livelihood is unknown to you. Those people whose condition of piety and impiety is unknown to you, you don't know the person. You go to the shop, some outlet, you see the owner is there, you don't know his background, and you can't just judge any person. You don't know the first time you're meeting him. You just can't judge him now that everything he's doing is haram. So his piety and piety is unknown to you, and his manner of earning a livelihood is unknown to you. Such people's wealth is permissible, and it is not necessary to abstain from it. However, due to caution, if one does not consume it, it will be part of taqwa. Because you're being careful. I'm, quite, I'm a bit cautious in regards to what I consume. So I don't know his background, I don't know his livelihood. Sometime in the path of Allah, somebody gives da'wah also. Then a misab will make mashwara, etc. So we should be careful there also. But we're going with the family. Somebody gives a da'wah, we're a traveler. We don't know his earning, what's behind it. Yes, we mentioned the taqwa of now, of Zunun Misi Rahmatullah Ali, Mishir Hafi. That was their level taqwa of the Siddiqeen. The second type of people are those people whose piety is known to you. To have doubts on their wealth is shaitani whisperings. By default, we know more than often, Alhamdulillah, this person is pious, he's muttaqi, and he's making an effort to earn livelihood, halal livelihood, so don't have unnecessary doubts. If abstinence from this wealth leads to causing him any harm or hurt, then such abstinence is a sin and haram, due to causing him undue hurt and having bad thoughts about a pious man. You'll accept his doubt, accept his hadiyah he's giving you. A third category of people are those people whose wealth, either all of it or most of it, more than 50% has been, has been attained by oppression, interest or by selling any haram items, more than 50%. Their wealth is regarded to be haram. 
more than 50% now his income is haram, and their wealth also is haram, it is binding upon one person, upon you to refrain from it. The fourth category of people are those people whose wealth is tainted with haram. The majority of their money is halal. Majority is halal. Example, a person has two halal means of income. One is his business and the other is some property from which he earns an income which he acquired through inheritance and rightfully he took it. He gives other heirs their share and he got his share also. So he has a halal business, halal income through, in, through inheritance. However, one avenue of his income is haram. Example, he's, he's also employed by an oppressive ruler and receives a salary from him. Or whatever it may be, some haram avenue, some insurance company is working for, or in the bank for example is working, then the income is based on haram and interest. He's earning a salary from there. The money earned from the other two avenues is more than the latter. Meaning his, haram, his halal income is more than the haram income. Since the majority of his wealth is halal, his wealth will be regarded as halal. However, if one abstains and refrains therefrom, from partaking of his food, then this should also be included in taqwa. The better you abstain, although majority is halal. The fifth type of person are those people whose means of income are unknown. However, the signs of oppression are apparent on them. Example, they don the clothing or the appearance of an oppressive ruler's government. Since this outward sign shows that their wealth was most likely received in an oppressive manner, it should not be regarded as halal without investigating first. You can see his outward appearance is not of a pious appearance. And you don't know where he's earning his halal, his income from. Whether halal or haram, you're not sure. But his outer appearance shows now that he doesn't have taqwa in him. So then a person should investigate first before he accepts any doubts from there. And lastly, the sixth category of people are those people upon whom the signs of oppression are not seen. However, the effects of sin are visible on them. Example, a shaved beard, long moustache, which is against sharia, un-Islamic haircut, they are, they, they, they are vulgar in their speech. Or you see them talking or gazing at strange women. Meaning now publicly they are engaged in haram activities. You can see it. So even though all these actions are prohibited in the shariat, since they have no bearing on how the wealth was earned, doesn't mean now by him dressing like this or doing these haram things in his behavior, doesn't mean his income also is haram. So don't base now his income upon his outward actions. Since they have no bearing on how the wealth was earned, the wealth will not be regarded as haram. If you come to know that it was attained through inheritance or some other permissible means, then regard it to be halal. Rasulullah did not regard the water of a mushrik, of a idol worshipper to be impure. Because Christianity and fire worshipping do not make water impure or doubtful, how can a Muslim's wealth become impure merely due to his sin and transgression? However, if you are unaware of him having any permissible avenues of earning, then you should be cautious in using his wealth. However, it will not be regarded as haram. May Allah give us understanding, inshaAllah.